Han, it's not a stroke, they're vocal warm-ups. Leave me be, I say. I tell you, leave me be. How do y'all do? How do you do? How are y'all feeling? It's good to see everybody. Hello, hello. Uh, can you guess what I have to do right now? That's right, I'm moving my portrait around. It's your favorite screwball. How's everybody doing? It's your favorite bad streamer is who it is. Hi. How's everybody doing? No, no, six. No, Courier Six. Not that one, though. I do really like Bitterbard. That's a, that is a great name. I hope I can name, like, like Bitterbard would be a fantastic name for a brew of some kind. Um, like bitter Bitterbard Ale or what have you. Um, let's see, what sort of, what sort of beer is a bitter is a bitter an ale is that a is that an ale anyway uh bitter bard i hope you will have to <laughs> bitter bard's buttered beer <laughs> oh bitter bard's old-timey butter beer um buttered beery uh y'all how's everybody doing what's your week been like uh i hope it's been going well and you know what i'm gonna do I'm going to innovate. I'm going to innovate on my system. And I'm going to ask that question, how are y'all doing? What have you been up to? And then I'm actually going to wait for y'all to answer this time. It's nuts. I know. Who could have thunk it? That's right. Me in all of my devious ways. Dahlia says, crazy, but good. Okay, excellent. Yeah, I know, Bitterbard. Who could have seen it coming? To finish my earlier sentence, uh, Bitterbard, I hope you will let me name something after you uh, over in Recetus, because that would be just wonderful if you're cool with it. Uh, maybe a tavern, maybe just a, a, a prevalent drink in Recetus. I think either one of those could be very cool. And Tuna, thank you very, very much for the raid. Uh, Y'all, check out Tuna. Um, Tuna is uh, another streamer here, a close, close friend of mine. Not a close friend like Mama Cass, but, you know, a close friend. Not a close friend, but a close friend. Um, <laughs> Tuna underscore Sunday. Uh, you can find his link actually you know what i don't think this works for me but let's just try let me see if that functions because i don't think that it will i don't think i have that set up properly i don't i don't at all but uh instead let me just go ahead and highlight this sucker there we go um y'all check that out tuna is right now playing house flipper and you will never find a better person to watch play house flipper uh unless you're into like speed runs or whatever none of us are about that i don't think uh, i don't think i i don't think any of our of our like streaming friends get into the speed runs much i don't have any anything against them but if you want someone who is great to watch play uh, a house flipping game and i do mean that uh, as it sounds it is a it's a game where you just flip houses you go in and you find some real trash and then <laughs> uh and then uh you're gonna find that uh, tuna does an excellent job um making that very entertaining uh tuna has had some like some really great real estate related content recently which is a funny sort of uh, a funny path to take but i mean where else are you gonna find that where else but here uh, so check out Tuna Sunday. Uh, he's not live right now, but he will be again later because he's finally in his new setup. It's good to see you like back, back at it, Tuna. I'm glad you're here. Um, if you want to find more friends of the channel, you can use the friends command as I have just done there, and you can follow that link to all sorts of friends of the channel, including uh, Dahlia's Dark Room. Uh, you'll find uh, I see Stationary Fork and Nomadic Spoon. You're both in a. 
the Killer Cutlery Gang. So Killer Cutlery, uh, you can follow the Stationary Fork link over on the uh, over on the link tree there uh, to find the Killer Cutlery hangouts. Uh, playing a lot of Sea of Thieves recently, um, and then uh, Dahlia's Dark Room, where y'all can meet up and play uh, some stuff together. I would love to be in there once I'm done. I think I'm just going to take a, a Wednesday night off of uh, uh, off of editing. Probably next week. I don't know. No, sorry, not next week. Because is that going to be right? Is that right? We're going to coordinate. But uh, next, uh, next Among Us Wednesday. Next Wednesday is Among Us Wednesday. Okay. Yeah, it's every other Wednesday. So I'm going to try to be in there next week. Uh, I'm going to have to check with Mama Cass. But I would, I would love to be in there next week, just to like, just to remind y'all I'm not dead. Because I have been doing so much editing, and it's taking a lot longer than expected, but I'm working hard at it. Um, I can promise you that. If there's one thing that I want to promise you all, it's that I am diligently working on editing. Uh, you can find me here in this seat at all hours of the day. Uh, last night, I think uh, I was editing until about 1 a.m. So... I'm working on it. Uh, just finished uploading book two of Harry Potter. Like I said, it's going a little slower than I thought, but I did book two completely and also got a lot of work done on book seven, even though it's not up yet. So uh, I'm going kind of out of order just to try and get things uploaded at a reasonable pace. But you can find those wherever you find podcasts, search Flying Sidecar. And if you have a place where you get podcasts and you're looking for Flying Sidecar and you don't see it there, please go over to the, um, the Q&A suggestions channel in the Discord or uh, tweet at me or message me on Instagram, I guess, if you're not into the Discord. Although you should be. If uh, if you listen to a spot uh, that doesn't seem to have Flying Sidecar, go over there, tell me where you're listening to podcasts, and I will see what I can do to get them linked up. All right? Cool? Sounds good? Excellent. I, I can tell you it is on Spotify right now already. So you'll find it there. Orly Rose says, So if anyone has tutorials or hints to get Among Us set up on my PC and help, uh, uh, let's see, help to find y'all, I would appreciate it. I'm awful at it. Good luck to you, Rose. Uh, I'm sure somebody will be able to figure it out. Um, Dan says, Sam's screen is, screen is always best for Among Us. Now, why is that? Now, why is that, Dan Cave? <laughs> what is my, what's my special oeuvre? Bitterbard says, I do love me some house flipper. As well you should. All right, let me let me see. Bitterbard says, feeling very sick, but to be honest, that allows me to be here rather than therapy. Super cool with that. Sounds delightful. I will say, Bitterbard, I do, I, I mean, I hope uh, you can get into therapy again soon. I know for me, it was incredibly helpful, invaluable. Wouldn't be here without it. And I mean that literally. Um... Let's see. What else has been going on? Tuna playing GeoGuessr, House Flipper, Zillow Challenge. Yeah, how's the bracket going, Tuna? Did y'all finish out the, the, the landscape bracket? Landscape bracket. The, uh, the, the, I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, Big Bucks Homeowner Throwdown? What did you call it? Was it just the Zillow Challenge? Um, a lot of location-based games, indeed. Uh, let's see. Let's see what else y'all are up to. Yes, indeed. Yeah, Bitterbard, it's been great to have you. Uh, it's great to have you today, but it's been great to have you for all of the vintage sidecar streams. Uh, Y'all, we have been doing some short stories. We did some spooky ones last week, some sort of paranormal ones this week, and next week, I'm not sure what we're going to get into, but I think next week is going to be our last short story stream, 
at least for a little while, um, because the week after that, we are getting started on Murder on the Orient Express. I hope you're ready, because I'm not sure I am. It's a lot of really, really interesting characters. Um, and the writing is a little... It, it's interesting. We're, we're going to find out, is what we're going to do. We're going to find out. So... I hope you all enjoy that. Uh, remember, y'all, if you want to get notified about that, make sure you head over to the Tags channel in Discord and uh, grab the proper notifications for that. Because it's the only way you're going to hear about it, frankly. Uh, I, I'm gonna, I'll do the like tag everyone thing for the first chapter, maybe two. Uh, but then after that, you got to have that vintage sidecar tag. Otherwise, well, I just don't want to be pinging everyone for everything. I try to keep that to a minimum. Uh, in other news, I don't believe they are engaged quite yet, but uh, we are very soon going to have additional tags available for interests. Um, we're like doubling or tripling the number of tags available, uh, and uh, those interest tags are not when I'm streaming necessarily, although I may also use them. Right now, these interest tags, these are things that you, you take when you want to hear about other people doing stuff. Uh, but we're going to open that up, and we're going to uh, kind of expand the purview of the creativity channel um, because I want to hear when y'all are streaming I want to hear when y'all have new music up I want to hear when you have YouTube videos going up um, of course you're going to have to follow the rules of the discord um, uh, in terms of like content so you know are rated at the very very maximum we're not going anything beyond that and if you do anything that you know breaks the if you if you start linking things that break any of the like uh, the bigotry clauses. If I start seeing the various isms or obias in there, uh, that's just going to be a ban on site for me, Cap. So, stick to the rules, but I want to see what y'all are up to. Uh, I will have more information on that over in the Discord, because, like, I think it would be cool to know when other people are streaming. Um, I will let y'all know as we, uh, as we get these things closer to the top, but I can imagine within the next week those are going to be available to you. So, uh... I will, I'll, I'll ping y'all about it when it's totally ready. Rowlet says, man, I, I have to read two chapters quick before we start. I will be a right back. Yes, indeed. Chapters 15 and 16 today. Today is chapters 15 and 16. Lisa says, I noticed you mentioned the Garden of the Gods. There's more than one, and I was wondering if the one that you mentioned might have been the one in southern Illinois. Interesting. Interesting. I am unfamiliar. Or am I? I'm, I'm not unfamiliar because I read ahead. Jade says, I am tired. We're shorthanded at work, and open house is next Thursday. Worried about getting everything done. I imagine so. Yeah, what, um, what sort of an open house is it? Because I thought I remembered what industry you worked in, and based on that, it would be curious to have an open house. But, well, I'm curious. <laughs> You're going to have to let me know what the deal is. Uh, Bitterbard says there's a Garden of the Gods in Colorado, I thought. Interesting. Perhaps, well, we shall be encountering a Garden of the Gods today. Let's find out how. But first, review. If you're listening in Discord right now, hello. Let me just pop in and say hi. Uh, Dahlia, Sander, Han, and MMP. Uh, I am keeping an eye on the Percy Jackson discussion channel. And then of course, here on Twitch, hello everyone. Lisa, Orly Rose, Death Metal Dahlia, Stationary Fork, y'all. Hello. Intikana, welcome back. Fabriella, hello. Big Mama, it's good to see that you've, <laughs> you've ducked in. You've missed the entire book so far. Well... No worries, because this is review time. 
That's right. Um, I guess I'll review from the start of the book. Uh, Annabeth has been captured, and Percy is trying to hunt down the people who did that, and also captured Artemis, the goddess of the hunt. That's right. That's the big book recap. But today, let's get in a little bit more specifically. We've had some chapters previously. I go snowboarding with a pig. We visit the junkyard of the gods. I have a damn problem. Indeed. So, chapters 13 and 14. We visit the junkyard of a god. Let's start with that one. Um, Percy Jackson and the crew, which includes Talia... Of course, we know Talia, we know Grover, who's also there. We don't quite know Bianca D'Angelo, but she is there as well. And we don't really know Zoe very much at all. We only know that she's got some connection with Percy way deep in the past, like before Percy was born deep in the past. It was a damn good stream. <laughs> yes, indeed, Orly Rose. Yes, it was. Um, the Junkyard of the Gods begins with Percy and uh, Grover and Bianca and Zoe and Talia they arrive at this little town out in the desert looks like uh, what Arizona or something uh, it's called what Gila Gila scale Gila claw Arizona indeed um, a totally dead town literally a ghost town and as they arrive they are met by somebody nasty it's a god. It's Ares. And we've dealt with Ares before, but it turns out Ares isn't the one who's here to talk with us. It turns out his girlfriend, Aphrodite, goddess of love, wants to talk to Percy. Percy steps inside the uh, opulent white limousine that, the, that Ares and uh, Aphrodite showed up in, and she has a conversation with him. She insists that the important one here is not Artemis, not the goddess, the important one here is Annabeth. Now, why would that be? It's hard to be sure, because of course, Artemis... Nope, try that one more time. Of course, Aphrodite, goddess of love, she's got her own sort of motivations. This is her thing. Un uh, uh, yeah, you know, crazy love stories, soap operatic. Percy insists, it's not love, she's a great friend of mine. And eh. Aphrodite's not having it. Ares kicks him out, and the two of them drive back off into the sunset. We find out why Bianca D'Angelo has had such a weird experience with time, why she doesn't remember certain cities looking certain ways. Well, turns out uh, she has been to somewhere that we also have been before. She spent a little time in Las Vegas, in a hotel, a hotel called the Lotus Casino. Turns out she was there for something like 70 years with her brother, and that's why things don't look quite normal. So she's been out of commission for a little while. Um, uh, we find out that Aphrodite was responsible for uh, Percy being on this mission by uh, helping to get uh, you know that, that pesky Phoebe poisoned with that shirt from the Stoll Brothers. Look, it's all very complicated. You'll have to go back and listen to the previous episodes once they're uploaded. Um, but Grover does some nature magic, and we find that the next part of the mission is through this junkyard. Now, this isn't just any junkyard. This is the junkyard of Aphrodite's husband. Not her boyfriend, Ares, but her husband. And uh, this place is rough. 
things go south pretty quickly here. Um, they're not supposed to take anything, but somebody does and awakens an enormous metal monster. I'm talking Iron Giant kind of thing, but with an attitude. And it turns out it was Bianca. She was picking up something for her brother, just a toy, something from his collection he didn't have yet. They all have to fight this stories-tall metal gargantua. And during the course of this fight... Bianca ends up inside this metal creature to help to sort of pilot it out of the way to make everyone safe. And when the thing comes tumbling down, Bianca is nowhere to be seen. We launch into our next chapter grimly. They're not sure where to go, but they have to keep moving because the skeletons are on the way. And they end up nearby a river. They head up the river and find themselves at the Hoover Dam. This is a place that um, uh, Annabeth was really, really excited about because, of course, she is huge on, uh, you know, big, big works of artifice. She enormous on, on monuments and big works of engineering. Fantastic. She loves them. Uh, but upon their arrival, they find out that they've sort of been, they've done been caught up to. Percy spots uh, that cow serpent again, strangely, and it warns him, ish, that uh, more skeletons are on the way. As a matter of fact, they're here. Percy gets a little bit of help from two very mysterious people. One with stormy gray eyes, who we think by the end might have been Annabeth's mother, who, as we know, isn't supposed to help, but when have we ever seen the gods follow the rules? The other person is a girl named Rachel Elizabeth Dare, and we know nothing about her except that the mist doesn't seem to matter to her. She's a mortal. She is a mortal, it would seem, but she's not affected by the mist. She meets Percy, helps him to get away very briefly from the skeletons, and then we don't see her again for the rest of the chapter. Um, finally, they are cornered. They didn't get entirely away from the skeletons. Uh, Percy and the rest of the party, which now only consists of uh, Percy, Talia, Grover, and uh, Zoe, they are cornered, the skeletons are oncoming, and that's when Talia takes a moment and does something she hasn't done in a long time. She prays to Zeus. And Zeus helps. These two massive uh, celestial bronze statues of sort of angels, they look like. Well, they're awake, and they're here to help out. They fly off, leaving the skeletons behind. And that is where we find ourselves today. Y'all, as per usual, if you have got anything you would like to discuss, I want to discuss it too. You know me. Uh, you know how I get. You know how I like to yammer on. Go ahead and put it in chat. I want to see it. Because I want to talk about it, alright? If you don't do it, I'm going to be forever angry. Now, I think it's time for us to get started, don't you? Which means it's time for me to turn off my air conditioning. Yeah, get hype! Get hype, Dahlia! Woof! Lisa, I've missed yammering with you as well. It's good to see you in here. Uh, Y'all, Fabriella, Tanisha, Orly Rose, Dahlia, Lisa... Fane? Y'all. I think Sander puts it best. Let it begin. Chapter 15. I wrestle Santa's evil twin. Just 
over, Talia said. Her eyes were shut tight. The statue was holding on to us so we wouldn't fall, but Talia still clutched his arm like it was the most important thing in the world. Everything's fine, I promised. Uh, are we very high? I looked down. Below us, a range of snowy mountains zipped by. I stretched out my foot and kicked snow off of one of the peaks. And... Uh, not that high. We are in the Sierras, Zoe yelled. She and Grover were hanging on from the arms of the other statue. I have hunted here before. At this speed, we should be in San Francisco in a few hours. And shoot, I've just realized I need to grab something because I neglected to do so before. Hold on a second. Which one was it? Oh, shoot. Wasn't that guy. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, crap. I've, I don't think I've ever fully lost a voice before. Where was it? Where was the dang thing? Where was that voice? Where was the voice voice used? Guys, 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 what was it? Huh? Do you remember? Oh, boy. Oh, this ain't good. Oh, man. Uh... Was it uh, something like, um, oh shoot, I don't know. Was it something like this? Hello? Well, no, that wasn't it. <laughs> oh, great. Great. I didn't tell you the name of the, yeah, and there are so many voices uh, available on here. Oh, boy. Hello? No, it was more tinny than that. Great. All right, welcome behind the scenes. It's a mess back here, everybody. <laughs> um, hey, y'all, uh, what the heck voice did I use? Shoot. Great. Usually I keep these, uh, I, I favorite them and put them on my list, but now I'm realizing I have not done so. Was it? Best. No, it wasn't that one. Was it this one? You know what? Maybe we'll all go with... No, I don't like it. It doesn't sound quite right. Well, that's definitely not it. No, I'm just on a telephone. Oh, boy, oh, boy. Nobody's going to remember. I don't, think I, I don't think I say the names of the voices out loud. Welcome to the circus, everyone. <laughs> 16. I haven't done 16. Come on now. Um. Oh, did I write 16 and 16? Oh, bunk. Vane. Hey, everybody. Uh, welcome to Off the Rails with your boy Sam. Something like this. You know what? I think that's close enough. We're gonna go with that one. Okay. And let's go ahead and cut all this out. It's gonna sound different from last week, but it's fine. Don't worry. Don't worry. Hey! Hey! Frisco! Our angel said. Hey, yo, Chuck! We can visit those guys at the Mechanics Monument again. They know how to party. Oh, man, the other angel said. I am so there. You guys have visited San Francisco? I asked. We are automatons and gotta have some fun once in a while, right? Our angel said. Those mechanics took us over to the De Young Museum and introduced us to these marble lady statues, see? And... Hank... 
the other statue, Chuck cut in. They're kids, man. Ah, all right. If the bronze statues could blush, I swear Hank did. Yeah, back to flying. We sped up so I could tell the angels were excited. The mountains fell away into hills, and then we were zipping across farmland and towns and highways. Grover played his pipes to pass the time. Zoe got bored and started shooting arrows at random billboards as we flew by. Every time she saw a Target department store, and we passed dozens of them, she would peg the store's sign with a few bullseyes at a hundred miles an hour. Talia kept her eyes closed the whole way. She muttered to herself a lot, like she was praying. You did good back there, I told her. Zeus listened. It was hard to tell what she was thinking with her eyes closed. Maybe, she said. How'd you get away from the skeletons in the generator room, anyway? You said they cornered you. I told her about the weird mortal girl, Rachel Elizabeth Dare, who seemed to be able to see right through the mist. I thought Talia was going to call me crazy, but she just nodded. Eh, some mortals are like that, she said. Nobody knows why. Suddenly, I flashed on something I'd never considered. My mom was like that. She had seen the Minotaur on Half-Blood Hill and had known exactly what it was. She hadn't been surprised at all last year when I told her my friend Tyson was really a Cyclops. Maybe she'd known all along. No wonder she'd been so scared for me as I was growing up. She saw through the mist even better than I did. Yeah, well, the girl was annoying, I said. But I'm glad I didn't vaporize her. That would have been bad. Talia nodded. Must be nice to be a regular mortal, she said as if she'd given it a lot of thought. Where do you guys want to land? Hank asked, waiting for me to wake up from a nap. I looked down and said, Whoa. I'd seen San Francisco in pictures before, but never in real life. It was probably the most beautiful city I had ever seen, kind of like a smaller, cleaner Manhattan, if Manhattan had been surrounded by green hills and fog. There was a huge bay and ships, islands and sailboats, and the Golden Gate Bridge sticking up out of the fog. I felt like I should take a picture or something. Greetings from Frisco. Haven't died yet. Wish you were here. There, Zoe suggested, by the Embarcadero building. Good thinking, Chuck said. Me and Hank can blend in with the pigeons. We all looked at him. Kidding, he said. Jeez, can't statues have a sense of humor? As it turned out, there wasn't really much need to blend in. It was early morning, and not many people were around. We freaked out a homeless guy on the ferry dock when we landed. He screamed when he saw Hank and Chuck and ran off yelling something about metal angels from Mars. We said our goodbyes to the angels, who flew off to party with their statue friends. That's when I realized I had no idea what we were going to do next. We'd made it to the West Coast. Artemis was here somewhere. Annabeth, too, I hoped. But I had no idea how to find them, and tomorrow was the winter solstice. Nor did I have any clue what monster Artemis had been hunting. It was supposed to find us on the quest. It was supposed to show the trail, but it never had. 
Now we were stuck on the ferry dock with not much money, no friends, and no luck. After a brief discussion, we agreed we needed to figure out just what was this mystery monster. But how? I asked. Nereus, Grover said. I looked at him. What? Isn't that what Apollo told you to do? Find Nereus? I nodded. I'd completely forgotten my last conversation with the sun god. The old man of the sea, I remembered. I'm supposed to find him and force him to tell us what he knows, but how do I find him? Zoe made a face. Old Nereus, eh? You know him? Talia asked. My mother was a sea goddess. Yes, I know him. Unfortunately, he is never very hard. Unfortunately, he is never very hard to find. Just follow the smell. What do you mean? I asked. Come, she said without enthusiasm. I will show thee. I knew I was in trouble when we stopped at the Goodwill drop box. Five minutes later, Zoe had me outfitted with a ragged flannel shirt and jeans, three sizes too big, bright red sneakers, and a floppy rainbow hat. Oh, mmm, hmm, yep, Grover said, trying not to bust out laughing. You look completely inconspicuous now. Zoe nodded with satisfaction. A typical male vagrant. Eh, thanks a lot, I grumbled. What was that? Do you hear that? Oh, good grief. They're coming for me already. Why am I doing this again? I told thee to blend in. She led the way back down to the waterfront. After a long while spent searching the docks, Zoe finally stopped in her tracks. She pointed down a pier where a bunch of homeless guys were huddled together in blankets waiting for the soup kitchen to open for lunch. Is, is all of San Francisco on fire? Oh boy, actually I see the smoke down there. Oh, that's not good. Hopefully it's nothing to do with us. You think the Reyes? No, he probably wouldn't, right? He will be down here somewhere, Zoe said. He never travels very far from the water. He likes to sun himself during the day. How do I know which one's him? Sneak up, she said. Act homeless. You will know him. He will smell different. Great. I didn't want to ask for particulars. And once I find him... Grab him, she said. And hold on. He will try anything to get rid of thee. Whatever he does, do not let go. Force him to tell thee about the monster. We got your back, Talia said. She picked up something off the back of my shirt, a big clump of fuzz that had come loose from who knows where. Oh, God, I've unsucked for. I don't want your back, but we'll be rooting for you. Grover gave me a big thumbs up. I grumbled how nice it was to have super powerful friends. Then I headed toward the dock. I pulled my hat down and stumbled like I was about to pass out, which wasn't hard considering how tired I was. I passed our homeless friend from the Embarcadero, who was still trying to warn the other guys about metal angels from Mars.
He didn't smell good, but he didn't smell different. I kept walking. A couple of grimy dudes with plastic grocery bags for hats checked me out as I came close. Bait it, kid, one of them muttered. I moved away. They smelled pretty bad, but just regular old bad, nothing unusual. There was a lady with a bunch of plastic flamingos sticking out of a shopping cart. She glared at me like I was going to steal her birds. At the end of the pier, a guy who looked about a million years old was passed out in a patch of sunlight. He wore pajamas and a fuzzy bathrobe that probably used to be white. He was fat, with a white beard that had turned yellow, kind of like Santa Claus, if Santa had been rolled out of bed and dragged through a landfill. And his smell? As I got closer, I froze. He smelled bad, all right, but ocean bad. Like hot seaweed and dead fish and brine. If the ocean had an ugly side, this guy was the one. I tried not to gag as I sat down near him like I was tired. Santa opened one eye suspiciously. I could feel him staring at me, but I didn't look. I muttered something about stupid school, stupid parents, figured I might sound reasonable. Santa Claus went back to sleep. I tensed. I knew this was going to look strange. I didn't know how the other homeless people would react. But I jumped Santa Claus. <coughs> he screamed. I meant to grab him, but he seemed to grab me instead. It was as if... It was as if he'd never been asleep at all. And I went ahead and lost my page. I meant to grab him, but he seemed to grab me instead. It was as if he'd never been asleep at all. He certainly didn't act like a weak old man. He had a grip like steel. Help me! Help me! He screamed as he squeezed me to death. Hey, that's a crime! One of the other homeless guys yelled. Kid rolling an old man like that? I rolled all right. Straight down the pier until my head smacked into a post. I was dazed for a second and Nereus's glip glip and Nereus's grip slackened he was making a break for it before he could I regained my sentence my what 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 am I saying y'all <laughs> I'm not sure I'm not sure I'm like up for streaming today or something I was before we started turns out now I'm not yikums sweet baby puppies all right one more again He was making a break for it. Before he could, I regained my sentence. My, I did the same thing again. Before he could, I regained my senses and tackled him from behind. I don't have any money. He tried to get up and run, but I locked my arms around his chest. His rotten fish smell was awful, but I held on. I don't want money, I said as he fought. I'm a half-blood. I want information. But that just made him struggle harder. Heroes, why do they always pick on me? Because you know everything. He growled and tried to shake me off his back. It was like holding on to a roller coaster. He thrashed around, making it impossible for me to keep my feet, but I gritted my teeth and squeezed tighter. We staggered toward the edge of the pier, and I got an idea. Oh, no, I said. 
Not the water! The plan worked. Immediately, Nereus yelled in triumph and jumped off the edge. Together, we plunged into the San Francisco Bay. He must have been surprised when I tightened my grip, the ocean filling me with extra strength. But Nereus had a few tricks left, too. He changed shape until I was holding a sleek black seal. I've heard people make jokes about trying to hold on to a greased pig, but I'm telling you, holding on to a seal in the water is harder. Nereus plunged straight down, wriggling and thrashing and spiraling through the dark water. If I hadn't been Poseidon's son, there is no way I could have stayed with him. Nereus spun and expanded, turning into a killer whale, but I grabbed his dorsal fin as he burst out of the water. A whole bunch of tourists went, Whoa! I managed to wave at the crowd. Yeah, we do this every day in San Francisco. Nereus plunged into the water and turned into a slimy eel. I started to tie him into a knot until he realized what was going on and changed back to human form. Why won't you drown? He wailed, pummeling me with his fists. I'm Poseidon's son, I said. Curse that upstart! I was here first! Finally, he collapsed on the edge of the boat dock. Above us was one of those tourist piers lined with shops like a mall on water. Nereus was heaving and gasping. I was feeling great. I could have gone all day, but I didn't want to tell him that. I wanted him to feel like he'd put up a good fight. My friends ran down the steps from the pier. You got him, Zoe said. You don't have to sound so amazed, I said. Nereus moaned. Oh, wonderful! An audience for my humiliation! The normal deal, I suppose. You let me go if I answer your questions. I got more than one question, I said. That's only one allowed per capture. That's the rule. I looked at my friends. This wasn't good. I needed to find Artemis, and I needed to figure out what the doomsday creature was. I also needed to know if Annabeth was still alive and how to rescue her. How could I ask all that in one question? A voice inside me was screaming, Ask about Annabeth! That's what I cared about most. But then I imagined what Annabeth might say. She would never forgive me if I saved her, and didn't save Olympus. Zoe would want me to ask about Artemis, but Chiron had told us the monster was even more important. Okay... All right, Nereus, tell me where to find this terrible monster that can bring an end to the gods. The one that Artemis was hunting. The old man of the sea smiled, showing off his mossy green teeth. <laughs> That's too easy, he said evilly. He's right there. Nereus pointed to the water at my feet. Where? I said. The deal is complete! Nereus gloated. With a... He turned into a goldfish and did a backflip into the sea. Yeah, you tricked me! I yelled. Wait. Talia's eyes widened. What is that? I looked down, and there was my friend, the cow serpent, swimming next to the dock. She nudged my toe and gave me those sad brown eyes. Ah, Bessie, I said. 
not now. No. Grover gasped. He says that his name isn't Bessie. You can understand her, uh, him? Grover nodded. It is a very old form of animal speak, but he says that his name is, well, the Ophiotaurus. The Ophio what? It means serpent bull in Greek, Talia said. But what's it doing here? <coughs> he says that Percy is his protector, Grover announced. And he's running from the bad people. He says that they're close. I was wondering how you got all of that out of a single moo. Wait, Zoe said, looking at me. You know this cow. I was feeling impatient, but I told them the story. Talia shook her head in disbelief. And you just forgot to mention this before? Well, yeah. It seemed silly, now that she said it, but things had been happening so fast. Bessie, the Ophiotaurus, seemed like a minor detail. I am a fool, Zoe said suddenly. I know this story. What story? From the War of the Titans, she said. My, my father told me this tale thousands of years ago. This is the beast we are looking for. Uh, Bessie? I looked down at the bull serpent. But he's too cute. He couldn't destroy the world. That is how we were wrong, Zoe said. We've been anticipating a huge, dangerous monster, but the Ophiotaurus does not bring down the gods in that way. He must be sacrificed. <laughs> Bessie lowed. I don't think he likes the S-word, Grover said. I patted Bessie on the head, trying to calm him down. He let me scratch his ear, but he was trembling. How could anyone hurt him? I said. He's harmless. Zoe nodded. But there is power in killing innocents. Terrible power. The fates ordained a prophecy eons ago when this creature was born. They said that whoever killed the Ophiotaurus and sacrificed its entrails to fire would have the power to destroy the gods. <laughs> um, Grover said, maybe we could avoid talking about entrails too? Talia stared at the cow serpent with wonder. Power to destroy the gods? How? I mean, what would happen? No one knows what would happen, Zoe said. The first time, during the Titan War, the Ophiotaurus was in fact slain by a giant, an ally of the Titans. But thy father, Zeus, sent an eagle to snatch the entrails away, before they could be tossed into the fire. It was a close call. Now, after three thousand years, the Ophiotaurus is reborn. Talia sat down in the dock. She stretched out her hand. Bessie went right to her. Talia placed her hand on his head. Bessie shivered. 
Talia's expression bothered me. She almost looked hungry. We have to protect him, I told her. If Luke gets hold of him... Luke wouldn't hesitate, Talia muttered. The power to overthrow Olympus. That's huge. Yes, it is, my dear, said a man's voice in a heavy French accent. And it is a power that you shall unleash. The Oviatoris made a whimpering sound and submerged. I looked up. We'd been so busy talking, we'd allowed ourselves to get ambushed. Standing right behind us, his two-color eyes gleaming wickedly, was Dr. Thorne, the manticore himself. This is just perfect, the manticore gloated. He was wearing a ratty black trench coat over his Westover Hall uniform, which was torn and stained. His military haircut had grown out spiky and greasy. He hadn't shaved recently, so his face was covered in silver stubble. Basically, he didn't look much better than the guys down at the soup kitchen. Long ago, the gods banished me to Persia, the manticore said. I was forced to scrounge for food at the edges of the world, hiding in the forests, devouring insignificant human farmers from my meals. I never got to fight any great heroes. I was not feared and admired in the old stories, but now that will change. The Titans will honor me, and I shall feast upon the flesh of the half-bloods. On either side of him stood two armed security guys, some of the mortal mercenaries I'd seen in D.C. Two more stood on the next boat dock over, just in case we tried to escape that way. There were tourists all around, walking down the waterfront, shopping at the pier above us, but I knew that wouldn't stop the manticore from acting. Where, where are the skeletons? I asked the manticore. He sneered. I do not need those foolish undead. The general thinks that I am worthless. He will change his mind when I have defeated you myself. I needed time to think. I had to save Bessie. I could dive into the sea, but how could I make a quick getaway with a 500-pound cow serpent? And what about my friends? We beat you once before, I said. Yeah, you could barely fight me with a goddess on your side. And alas, that goddess is preoccupied at the moment. There will be no help for you now. Zoe notched an arrow and aimed it straight at the manticore's head. The guards on either side raised their guns. Wait, I said. Zoe, don't. The manticore smiled. The boy is right, Zoe Nightshade. Put away your bow. It would be a shame to kill you before you witnessed Talia's great victory. What are you talking about? Talia growled. She had her shield and spear ready. Surely it is clear, the manticore said. This is your moment. This is why Lord Kronos brought you back to life. You will sacrifice the Ophiodorus. You will bring its entrails to the sacred fire on the mountain. You will gain unlimited power. And for your sixteenth birthday, you will overthrow Olympus.
No one spoke. It made terrible sense. Talia was only two days away from turning sixteen. She was a child of the Big Three, and here was a choice. A terrible choice that could mean the end of the gods. It was just like the prophecy said. I wasn't sure if I felt relieved, horrified, or disappointed. I wasn't the prophecy kid after all. Doomsday was happening right now. I waited for Talia to tell the Manticore off, but she hesitated. She looked completely stunned. You know that it is the right choice, the Manticore told her. Your friend Luke recognized it. You shall be reunited with him. You shall rule this world together under the auspices of the Titans. Your father abandoned you, Talia. He cares nothing for you, and now you shall gain power over him. Crush the Olympians underfoot as they deserve. Call the beast. It will come to you. Use your spear. Hey, Talia, I said. Snap out of it. She looked at me the same way she had the morning she woke up on Half-Blood Hill. Dazed and uncertain. It was almost like she didn't know me. I... I don't... Hey, your father helped you, I said. He sent the metal angels. He, he turned you into a tree to preserve you. Her hand tightened on the shaft of her spear. I looked at Grover desperately. Thank the gods he understood what I needed. He raised his pipes to his mouth and played a quick riff. <whistles> the manticore yelled, Stop him! The guards had been targeting Zoe, and before they could figure out that the kid with the pipes was a bigger problem, the wooden planks at their feet sprouted new branches and tangled their legs. Zoe let loose two quick arrows that exploded at their feet in clouds of sulfurous yellow smoke. Gas arrows. The guards started coughing. The manticore shot spines in our direction, but they ricocheted off my lion's coat. Grover, I said. Tell Bessie to dive deep and stay down. Um, Grover translated. I could only hope Bessie got the message. The cow, Talia muttered, still in a daze. Come on, I pulled her along as we ran up the shore, up the stairs to the shopping center on the pier. We dashed across the corner of the nearest store. I could hear the manticore shouting at his minions, Get them! Tourists screamed as the guards shot blindly into the air. We scrambled to the end of the pier. We hid behind a little kiosk filled with souvenir crystals, wind chimes and dream catchers and stuff like that, glittering in the sunlight. There was a water fountain next to us. Down below, a bunch of sea lions were sunning themselves on the rocks. The whole of San Francisco Bay spread out before us. The Golden Gate Bridge, Alcatraz Island, and the green hills and fog beyond that to the north. A picture-perfect moment, except that we were about to die and the world was going to end. Go over the side, Zoe told me. You can escape in the sea, Percy. Call on thy father for help. Maybe you can save the Ophiotaurus. She was right, but I couldn't do it. I won't leave you guys, I said. We fight together. You've got to get word to camp, Grover said. At least let them know what's going on. I noticed the crystals making rainbows in the sunlight. 
there was a drinking fountain next to me. Get word to the camp, I muttered. It's a good idea. I uncapped Riptide and slashed off the top of the water fountain. Water burst out of the busted pipe and sprayed over all of us. Talia gasped as the water hit her. The fog seemed to clear f the fog seemed to clear from her eyes. Are you crazy? she asked. But Grover understood. He was already fishing around in his pockets for a coin. He threw a golden drachma into the rainbows created by the mist and yelled, Oh goddess, accept my offering. The mist rippled. Camp Half-Blood, I said. And there, shimmering in the mist right next to us, was the last person I wanted to see. Mr. D, wearing his leopard-skin jogging suit and rummaging through the refrigerator. He looked up lazily. Do you mind? Oh, where's Chiron? I shouted. Well, how rude. Shoot, did it again. Do you mind? Where's Chiron? I shouted. How rude. Mr. D took a swig from a jug of grape juice. Is that how you say hello? Hello, I amended. We're about to die. Where's Chiron? Mr. D considered us. I wanted to scream at him to hurry up, but I knew that wouldn't work. Behind us, footsteps and shouting. The Manticore's troops were closing in. About to die, Mr. D mused. How exciting. I'm afraid Chiron is here. Would you like me to take the message? I looked at my friends. We're dead. Talia gripped her spear. She looked like her old angry self again. Then we'll die fighting. Uh, how noble, Mr. D said, stifling the yawn. So, what's the problem, exactly? I didn't see it would make any difference, but I told him about the Ophiotaurus. Ah, uh, uh, yeah, yeah. He studied the contents of the fridge. So that's it. I see. Hmm. You don't even care, I screamed. You'd just as soon watch us all die. Ah, uh, let's see, let's see. I think I'm in the mood for pizza tonight. I wanted to slash through the rainbow and disconnect, but I didn't have time. The manticore screamed, There! And we were surrounded. Two of the guards stood behind him. The other two appeared on the roof of the pier shops above us. The manticore threw off his coat and transformed into his true self, his lion claws extended and his spiky tail bristling with poison barbs. Excellent, he said. He glanced at the apparition in the mist and snorted. Alone, without any real help. Wonderful. Uh, you could ask for help, Mr. D murmured to me as if this were an amusing thought. You can say please. When wild boars fly, I thought, there was no way I was going to die begging a slob like Mr. D just so he could laugh as we all got gunned down. Zoe readied her arrows. Grover lifted his pipes. Talia raised her shield, and I noticed a tear running along down her cheek. And suddenly occurred to me, this had happened to her before. She had been cornered on Half-Blood Hill.
She'd willingly given her life for her friends. But this time, she couldn't save us. How could I let that happen to her? Please, Mr. D, I muttered. Help. Of course, nothing happened. The manticore grinned. Spare the daughter of Zeus. She will join us soon enough. Kill the others. The men raised their guns, and something strange happened. You know how you feel when all the blood rushes to your head? Like if you hang upside down and turn right side up too quickly? There was a rush like that all around me and a sound like a huge sigh. <sighs> the sunlight tinged with purple. I smelled grapes and something more sour. Wine. It was the sound of many minds breaking at the same time. The sound of madness. One guard put his pistol between his teeth like it was a bone and ran around like all fours. One guard put his pistol between his teeth like it was a bone and ran around on all fours. Two others dropped their guns and started waltzing with each other. The fourth began doing what looked like an Irish clogging dance. It would have been funny if it hadn't been so terrifying. No! screamed the manticore. I will deal with you myself! His tail bristled, but the planks under his paws erupted into grapevines, which immediately began wrapping around the monster's body, sprouting new leaves and clusters of green baby grapes that ripened in seconds as the manticore shrieked until he was engulfed in a huge mass of vines, leaves, and full clusters of purple grapes. Finally, the grapes stopped shivering, and I got a feeling that somewhere inside there, the manticore was no more. Whoa! Hmm, said Dionysus, closing his refrigerator. Uh, that was some kind of fun, wasn't it? I stared at him, horrified. How could you... How did you... I have such gratitude, he muttered. The mortals will come out of it. Too much explaining to do if I'm made their condition permanent. I hate writing reports to father. He stared resentfully at Talia. I hope you learned your lesson, girl. It's not easy to resist power, is it? Talia blushed as if she were ashamed. Mr. D, Grover said in amazement, you, you saved us. Uh, don't make me regret it, Satan. Now get going, Percy Jackson. I bought you a few hours at most. The, uh, the off your Taurus, I said. Can you get it back to camp? Mr. D sniffed. I do not transport livestock. That's your problem. But where do we go? Dionysus looked at Zoe. Oh, I think the Huntress knows. Gotta enter at sunset today, you know, or all is lost. Now, goodbye, my pizza's waiting. Mr. D, I said. He raised his eyebrow. You call me by my right name, I said. You call me Percy Jackson. I most certainly did not, Peter Johnson. Now off with you. He waved his hand and his image disappeared in the mist. 
All around us, the Manticore's minions were still acting completely nuts. One of them had found his friend. One of them had found our friend, the homeless guy, and they were having a serious conversation about metal angels from Mars. Several other guards were harassing the tourists, making animal noises, and trying to steal their shoes. I looked at Zoe. What did he mean? You know where to go. Her face was the color of the fog. She pointed across the bay, past the Golden Gate. In the distance, a single mountain rose up above the cloud layer. The garden of my sisters, she said. I must go home. That is the end of our first of two chapters for the day. What do y'all think? An exciting time, I would say. Definitely not short on thrills, this chapter. Um, what do y'all think? I want to hear what y'all had to say about that chapter. So, I'm going into chat. I'm going in! Give me my helmet. I'm going in. Sweet, <laughs> sweet baby puppies. I see that one. Um, let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, Dolly says, those mechanical bulls are like a Texan's rite of passage. <laughs> I've never been on one. For a while, I really, really wanted to. Like, I had a... It wasn't like a full phase or anything. I just saw one in a movie, and I was like, I gotta I gotta find some place with that, at least so I can, I can try it, or just to see people falling off of it. I'm from the Midwest. It seems like we would have something like that that would sort of leak north from down below, but... Eh. Orly Rose says, Ophiotaurus is one thing I remember from college mythology. Interesting. Rose, I'm sure you've talked about this before, considering we've been, you know, we're now, uh, what, two and a half, two and most of the way through a third. Um, what was, what sort of course did you take on mythology in college? And Rose is getting hungry for a lobster. I remember that one coming through sometime in the middle of the uh, <laughs> Nereus fight, which baffled me because there are no lobsters in there. And now I'm very confused about that as well. So, Orly Rose, you have more to answer for. <laughs> Han says, I just like beef. Eh, not a good moment. Indeed. Uh, Bitter Bard, I hope that the taco has treated you well. I will also say, if, if it's a question of risky food... I think tacos are kind of up there, aren't they? And I'm not, even, I'm not even making, like, the Taco Bell joke. But, like, tacos seem like they're kind of high on the risk factor i would say if if y'all aren't familiar with the brat's diet let's see what is it oh shoot i just said it now i don't know what everything is i think it's bread r <laughs> oh bread rice applesauce what's tea what's tea but like bread uh saltine crackers uh anything like anything super pale <laughs> those are my suggestions i really hope you feel better soon bitter bard um yeah, Stationary Fork says, I really like this artwork. I'm gonna, I think it was uh, on the picture of Talia. Let's go find that one. Um, this is, it's a pretty good one. I will agree with you, certainly. Uh, and I, I think the background did a lot for this one. And it, it really communicates, because we haven't seen a lot of Talia's face so far in, in the text or up here. Because I think the text, like, it describes it occasionally, but not often. Like, just what is going on in her eyes uh, on, on most days. She really is, she's got a grumpy face. She's like our cat, Blue. <laughs> All right, this seems like a good time to pop my air conditioning on. 
Um, now, Sander asks an excellent question. Would killing the cow not also kill Mr. D? No, I don't think it's a one-to-one, like, kill the cow and everything dies, but it will give power, and that power is very explicitly to bring down the gods. So, yes, Sander, I think that's an excellent question. Why isn't Mr. D a little bit more invested in this idea of save the cow? It seems sensible, right? Fabriella says, dude, this is a great power for a god. It is. Um, uh, Dionysus, god of, I want to say, essentially like partying and madness. So you can you can expect what kind of, like, imagine what sort of parties he hosts. These are the sort of things where, like, you probably need, uh, you probably need, like, a, a cool-down tent that's bigger than the party itself, because everyone's leaving messed up. Rollet says, I absolutely loved the ending. We got to see Mr. D's power in action. Yes, indeed, it was. That That is like, you know, we got to see Mr. D at full force here. And if he wasn't such a nonce, then uh, we might get to see that a little bit more often. Oh, Bitterbard says, banana, applesauce, rice, toast. That's what it is. That's right. My parents are both medical professionals. I really should have known that better. But yes, you're correct, Bitterbard. I goosed it. Banana, applesauce, rice, and toast. Well, that's the Bart diet. <laughs> to be fair, that's the Bart diet. And that's fine. Uh, let's see. Bitter Bart says, my roommate made tacos. <laughs> I see. Okay, so it was more of a, you had to be, you had to be, be kind. You had to be gracious in your acceptance of these tacos. Uh, Rose says, I took a class that basically contrasted Roman and Greek mythology and explored the role of myth in early cultures. I like the sounds of that. No wonder you've been so, like, no, no wonder you've been so invested in this. Because, uh, yeah, there's a lot of fun discussion to be had about this. The role of myth in early history, and even now, the role that it plays. I mean, I think uh, uh, what we call myth in history now, I think we can call um, belief, uh, sometimes even cult. Um, although even that's a pretty fine distinction, if you ask me. Um, but Dahlia says, we made the joke that Bessie is some surf and turf, hence the beef and lobster talk. I see. Hey, y'all be good about Bessie. Bessie doesn't deserve this. This is a this is a, a picture of Talia. I think this um, this uh, yeah the, the lightning in the background yeah this is Talia here. The death to oh oh my god, roll it oh my Zeus. Death to Bar. What if it's Bart? What if it? <laughs> what if Talia doesn't want? doesn't want bitter bard to get better death to bart D talia says eight tacos <laughs> get your guts all screwed up <laughs> that's okay don't listen to her don't listen to her bitter bard talia's uh nope talia you're talia now i guess oh duh dahlia talia okay i'm gonna i'm gonna excuse myself for that one dahlia says dionysus is a nature god of fruitfulness and vegetation veggie vegetation good lord especially known as a god of wine and ecstasy yes indeed and i would say i would say like i i kind of like hit the highlights frankly but dahlia is presented us with a much more accurate picture of who of who dionysus is i think in sort of like pop culture the fun ones that a lot of folks kind of uh kind of highlight it's a lot about wine and it's a lot about um uh, <laughs> uh a lot about partying and a lot about like craziness but 
uh, yeah, more specifically, Dionysus is a nature god of fruitfulness and vegetation, especially wine and ecstasy. Um, yes, you're correct. You're correct, and I appreciate it. Um, all right, y'all. Uh, Vin Howlett says, Hephaestus. I'm not sure where that entered in, Hephaestus, but yes, it did take me a little while. I, I couldn't remember what the name of the uh, the god who presided over the junkyard was, and that is Hephaestus. Uh, sort of tinker, the tinker god. The tinkering god. Okay, y'all, I thank you very much for being here. I'm going to leave you with a Chatterbrake question, and I'm going to be gone for five minutes. Exactly five minutes. That's not true. It'll be a little over. But five minutes... Five minutes on the clock, you'll be able to see it here on Discord. If you, uh, Excuse me, you'll be able to see it here on Twitch. If you're on Discord, you won't be able to see it. But just trust me, I typically... I'm, I, I say five minutes, but I'm virtually always back before six minutes. So, you can count down. Yeah, I know, Han. You and, you and Sandra did that to me for a while, too. <laughs> okay, now, y'all, Chatterbrick question. We are... We are coming up here on the end of Titan's Curse. We are, we are reaching the end, uh, which means the culmination of this prophecy that's been sort of the big question for this whole book. We've talked about the, the organization, the, the sort of structure that many of these myths had back in the day, and a lot of them were driven by prophecy the de declaration that something's going to happen and then how the people involved sort of try to flee or fulfill that prophecy and in this one it seems to have something to do with one of the children of the big three it's you know we know about percy and talia essentially so we got two options it would seem um talia and percy and of course percy is totally opposed to this he's already resisted this temptation once kind of twice but Talia we expected Talia to deny this right away and yet there is something in Talia that seems willing I want you for the chatterbreak question basically just kind of free write what's going on in Talia's head right now and even more so what's going on what was going on in Talia's head as she was looking down at this sea cow there's our chatterbreak question. What's happening in this character's head? And I will see you all in five minutes. I love you. Adios. For anyone who doesn't know, my name is Sam. This is Sidecar Stories, and this is basically what I do. Go ahead and follow these links if you want to know more. See you in five. Bye-bye. Hello, Twitch. How's everyone doing? <laughs> don't tell him, <laughs> Dahlia. Don't tell him. Don't tell him about my. Don't tell him about my bebopping. This is secret bebopping. This is secret Discord only bebopping. Uh, Y'all, I jump into Discord uh, like 10, 15 seconds before I show up here on Twitch, so that I can give them a quiet sort of lead in. Hello, hello. Um, but uh, <laughs> but now. We're live back over here on Twitch. Hello. How do you do? So, we had a Chatterbreak question, I believe. Does that sound familiar to y'all? Because it certainly sounds familiar to me. If you forgot, you done goosed it. 
Uh, first of all, Kerfo says, I am really lost technologically. By the way, I just want to say thank you, Kerfos. Kerfos is one of our most recent patrons over on Patreon. And Kerfos, I appreciate that immensely, especially considering you're pretty new around here in the, uh, in the grand scheme of things. Thank you. Thank you a ton. You are part of the reason why I am able to do things like pay for hosting for audio. Um, so the question is, you're helping, you're, you are helping to make that happen. How do you get to it? Well, here's the deal. Uh, if you want to watch the back episodes here on Twitch, uh, you can go ahead and find them uh, in my old episodes. It'll be a little hard to find while I'm while I'm online, but you can go to let me just let me just head over to my page so that I can like figure out exactly what this will look like for you. So, um, hold on. Let me just take a look. So you're going to look down below the video player. Um, there are going to be a bunch of options down there. And what you are looking for is uh, you're going to kind of want to like minimize that. You're going to want to find um, the, oh, I guess the panels are kind of just like there, huh? Uh, click on my little profile picture, that my little uh, yellow sidecar badge. You can click on that and then you will be able to find the home. Uh, it will show you some recent broadcasts down below. Uh, and then you can head over to the videos tab in there. So basically, if you're on my channel, just like click my profile picture underneath the video and it should take you to where you can at least see uh, where to find some of those old, uh, old videos. Those are going to be up there. They will be up for two weeks after the after the stream, but then they disappear. Twitch doesn't hold on to stuff like that. After that point, how can you find stuff that is going to be audio only for the time being? Um, I don't know. I don't necessarily have plans for a video version to come back uh, at the moment, but audio only, you can find those wherever you find podcasts. So, um, Kerfos, you have found Gatsby. You're in the. That means you're close to the right spot. That is Vintage Sidecar. If you want this stuff, go ahead and search for Flying Sidecar, and that is where you will find the audio versions of Harry Potter. I've got two books up there so far. I promise you all, I am editing my little heart out. I'm editing my little fingers off, and I'm editing my little touch to the bone, uh, and uh, trying to get those up there as quickly as possible. Uh, I'm going to start with basically all the Flying Sidecar stuff, and then I'm going to move on uh, to other things. As we moved toward the end of the Harry Potter series, I was starting to do some of this editing weekly, and so I'm not going to have to like I'm not I don't have it all backloaded on me, and so it'll go quicker as the books proceed. But right now it's fairly slow, um, so work with me there. I appreciate everyone's patience because y'all have been really patient. You're awesome for that. Thank you so much. Uh, so, Kurt, folks, I hope that helps you out. Um, and uh, as always, y'all, if you go to the Discord and, and ping, uh, you can ping Pit Crew uh, to just find any one of the mods, or ping me. Um, you can find me over there, and uh, I will. I would love to help you out with it. So, we've got that. Uh, let's see. Let's talk about this Chatterbrick question. Chatterbrick question was, what's going through Talia's mind as she's looking at this sea cow? All right, it's a big question. One that really sort of. Um, might become the fulcrum of this prophecy that they're all trying to fight against, essentially. Um, let's see. What do we have? What do we have about it? Um, Rose says, so if I were Talia, I would be so angry because it sucks watching the gods just neglect and hurt their children and basically run amok. It seems that way, right? The gods continue to just sort of do what the gods do and don't give a second thought. I mean, you saw how hard Percy had to fight just to get Mr. D to, like, engage in a thing here. 
<laughs> Fabriella says, just a random thought, but I think it's interesting that she's tempted by power. Like, in the shortest time that we've known her as a character, it doesn't seem, at least to me, like she would be so tempted by that, but she is. I don't know if there's another force at play, Kronos, or maybe I'm not understanding her well as a character. I think you're understanding her all right. This is absolutely one of the first times that we have seen her tempted by power. She is not one to let that go to her head easily. At least it would seem. And yet here we find ourselves. With her looking down at the sea cow, sort of uh, squinting. Not shying away from this. Rose says, I think the Half-Bloods, they probably think they could do things better running things. Um, if Yeah, like if the Half-Bloods ran things, they feel like they might be able to do a bit better. Or at least having direct interaction with their parents and a say in things. The truth is, the gods really do suck. Luke isn't even wrong, if his method, even if his methods are horrible. Yeah, his... And, and that is kind of like... That is one of the big themes of this series, is when a system is broken, what do you do with it? What do you do when you are when is when is it's one of those systems that you can't just sort of check out of you can't opt out of um this of, of life in this way it's not like you can just sort of go live differently and and you're checked out and i think um there are many elements that this is a huge discussion a huge point of discussion right now um systems are broken in the world and what do you do when you encounter a broken system one of the huge themes of this series <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, yeah, uh, Sparkle Lovegood, you know what? I think what might be a good thing to do is maybe I will take a very short break, not from streaming, but maybe I will take a short time, and I will, I will stream them, because I think that would be fun, but I will take a short time where I spend a few, probably, I would guess maybe two possibly three Thursdays um, going through and re-recording these things. That way there will be no holes in the back catalog. Um, we will take a vote on that right now, I think, because y'all are the people who are here for this, and I think it makes sense that y'all are the ones who get to vote. Um, so let me go ahead and ask. Here is a poll. This is going to be here in Twitch. Uh, please, if you feel strongly about this, please make sure that you vote on this. Um, this is going to be a poll that is up for five minutes to give you all plenty of time. Uh, the question is, what do you want? Uh, or I'll say, when should Sam re-record? Uh, and the two options are, uh, after this book... So, soon. Or, um, when, when he has time. Uh, slower. Okay, so, there are the questions. Uh, go ahead, you've got five minutes. If you don't see the poll in there uh, in the next, like, ten seconds or so, go ahead and uh, you can and refresh that uh, and then you'll be able to find that poll please do vote if this matters to you if it doesn't then tally ho but uh, I, if y'all want me to do that then I would say immediately after this book we're going to take a break before book 4 and uh, I will just take some time and re-record all, re all of the lost slash busted episodes um, so it's just going to be like random chapters of stuff but I think it'll still be fun we'll still have a fun time with it uh, Lisa says, can tonight be an option? I'm afraid not, Lisa. We've got other stuff that I need to get accomplished. Unfortunately, I apologize. Okay. 
Rollet says we will be privy to the re-recordings, right? Yes, absolutely. I would stream those. It'll be a it would be a stream. It will be some disjointed streams because it'll just be like a couple of chapters from book four over here and a couple of chapters from the start of Harry of uh, of Percy Jackson book two over here. So it'll be odd, but yes, it would be it would be something I would live stream with y'all. Um, and the the big question, the the reason this is a vote at all is because this is like this is the slot that I have available to do this sort of thing. I don't have a ton of other times in the week where I can just sit down and record for two hours. Um, so. Maybe I will. Uh, maybe maybe we'll do this on stream. Or if y'all are like, you know what? No, I don't want to hear. I don't want to be here for that sort of thing. Then go ahead and vote for the other option. But if it matters to you, please do let me know. I will continue to stream on Thursday nights either way. Um, but uh, with that, folks, while the rest of that countdown is winding uh, and the rest of that vote is going in, y'all make sure to do that if it matters to you. My name is Sam. For anyone who is unfamiliar. This is Sidecar Stories, uh, where we just appreciate stories, frankly. That's kind of what we do here. Uh, if you want to find out more about me, go ahead and follow the links that are going to pop up in chat here, the ones that have been popping up fairly regularly. That is the link to everywhere that matters, including, and most especially, the Discord. Uh, Discord is hopping lately, and I am loving it. I'm going to uh, try to record something to let y'all know how to use threads, because as you might be able to see, if you've been in the Discord recently, I'm going nuts with them, because I freaking love this feature of Discord. I adore it. Um, and uh, finally, I stream Tuesdays through Thursdays. Tuesdays, you can find me reading uh, classic literature, Vintage Sidecar, where we shed some light on classic lit. We are doing some short stories before we head into Murder on the Orient Express in a couple of weeks. On Wednesdays, those are our tabletop RPG days, because I think some of the best stories right now are being told with the roll of a die. And then finally, uh, Thursdays, if you're here, you know what Thursday's about. Flying Sidecar, a voice actor's venture through some stories we all love. Everyone, thank you so much for being here. Let's talk review. Let's talk a bit of review. Last chapter this chapter entitled one moment let me go hunt it down because it's one of the weird ones I rant what I wrestle Santa's evil twin that's chapter 15 and not a bad title for the chapter overall considering that's about what happens um, they are flying they're literally in the air flying right now being flown to San Francisco by a couple of celestial bronze angels some minions of Zeus's uh, that he placed at the Hoover Dam long ago and recently saved them from the encroaching skeletons. By the way, Midwest Millennial, hello! I don't know that name. I've never seen that name in here before. Um, you're just the, the region suggests maybe you're from my neck of the woods and I might know you personally, but if not, hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. We're going through a bit of review before we get into our next chapter tonight. Um, Continuing with chapter 15, these angels fly them uh, sort of to the, the edge of San Francisco, and they have arrived. This is their destination. This is where they had to end up. Um, they don't want to be here, but this is where Nereus is, and they have to ask Nereus sort of what to do next. Zoe knows how to find Nereus. you got to sneak up on him. Uh, you're going to know him by his smell, it sounds like. So they dress Percy up in some sort of uh, some thrift store clothing from the Goodwill um, and send him down to the beach to find the homeless man that smells the most unique. You'll know it when you smell it, Zoe kind of says. Um, 
they are still reeling, of course, from the loss of Bianca. Uh, Percy starts to head around and interact with some of these homeless folks. Uh, these these people without homes down here uh, te- seem to be sort of nothing unexpected, nothing nothing out of the ordinary, until he finds that uh, there is one in particular that has a very different scent. Quote, Santa Claus. Uh, a big guy, big beard, and smells like ocean stink. This must be the guy. Uh, Percy gets a hold of him, and turns out Nereus is A, a little tough to catch, and B, when you catch him, you only get one question. He wants to ask about Annabeth, but he knows Annabeth would say, no, you got to take care of the big question. And Chiron said that question that needs to be answered is, what's the deal with this beast? This beast, that uh, this terrible monster that could bring an end to the gods. And he says, oh, yeah, it's right here. What? The only thing that's right here is Bessie. It's Bessie the sea cow. Turns out they've been looking at this wrong. Bessie the sea cow is the Ophiotaurus, entirely innocent, uh, which is kind of funny because I think in just about, uh, well, in lots of cultures, I should say, and definitely in Greek culture, um, the idea of a serpent is kind of associated with anything other than innocence. But this creature is so innocent that to kill it and sacrifice it would give you great power, power to destroy the gods. They're not really considering it, surely, right? Well, then the manticore shows up. Do you remember Dr. Thorne? He sounds like this! He shows up, and he's got help. They are in combat uh, shortly after, but uh, the big question is, is Talia going to kill this creature and use it to gain the power to end the gods? Yeah, roll it. Some serious dark power. I think so. Um, finally, they duke it out. Talia decides, no, she will not. At least for now. We don't get to see her thought processes. All we know is she sort of snaps out of it. Um, and uh, Dionysus ends up being the one to clinch this fight. Percy asks him for help, asks him nicely, says please, and he does indeed. He wraps up the manticore. The manticore's sort of uh, bodyguards. Everyone ends up in these vines. Um, and the manticore does not come out. And we find out that our next destination is the Garden of Zoe's Sisters. It's time for her to go home. That is the end of our review. I see that y'all have voted by a very, very narrow margin. Um, to record after this book, so we will we will be filling those gaps. I saw that it was a close vote, um, and uh, so you know we'll we'll try to I'll try to keep them very quick. I'll try to do sort of longer than average streams so that we only have to skip I would say maybe two weeks. We'll find out, but uh, I will try to keep the list very short, um, and uh, then we'll be back on track with the the next book. So. Thank you all for voting. I appreciate it. I know it was a narrow one, so everyone who did not want that, then I uh, I am sorry, but uh, I thank you for, for participating in the vote. It's important to me that, that uh, y'all have a chance to decide. Hold on.
turning off the AC because y'all, y'all, I mean, y'all know what that means, right? Sparkle Love Good, thank you very much. I appreciate you. Sparkle Love Good says, I spend two thirds of my time listening to Sam's recording, and I'm really excited to do those. Excellent. Okay. I'm glad. I, I hope that it will be exciting for all of y'all um, because it will include like the beginning of this book. A lot of that did not get captured properly because I was reading from home. And uh, so that will, you know, that will probably be one of the things that we try to, we try to include. Lisa says, time to get our chapter on. Indeed. Uh, yes, Dahlia, anyone, any of y'all who are sort of in the, um, in the archives, I would, I would certainly appreciate to know which ones are missing, um, cause it's possible I might have like a copy back here somewhere. Um, but, uh, I will say y'all really rescued me with a lot of that archiving. So, um, I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Let's read some stuff. Take a moment, center myself. Chapter 16, we meet the dragon of eternal bad breath. We will never make it, Zoe said. We are moving too slow, but we cannot leave the Ophiotaurus. Bessie said. He swam next to me as we jogged along the waterfront. We'd left the shopping center pier far behind. We were heading toward the Golden Gate Bridge, but it was a lot further than I'd realized. The sun was already dipping in the east. I don't get it, I said. Why do we have to get there at sunset? The Hesperides are the nymphs of the sunset, Zoe said. We can only enter their garden as the day changes to night. And uh, what happens if we miss it? Tomorrow is winter solstice. If we miss sunset tonight... We will have to wait until tomorrow evening, and by then, the Olympian Council will be over. We must free Lady Artemis tonight. Or Annabeth will be dead, I thought, but I didn't say that. We need a car, Talia said. Well, what about Bessie? I asked. Grover stopped in his tracks. I've got an idea. The Ophiotaurus can appear in different bodies of water, correct? Uh, yeah, I said. I mean, he was in Long Island Sound, and then he just popped up in the water at Hoover Dam, and now he's here. So, maybe we can coax him back to Long Island Sound, Grover said, and then Chiron could help us get him to Olympus. But he was following me, I said. If I'm not there, is he going to know where to go? Mm. Bessie said forlornly. I... I can show him, Grover said. I'll go with him. I stared at him. Grover was no fan of the water. He'd almost drowned last summer in the Sea of Monsters, and he couldn't swim very well with his goat hooves. I'm the only one who can talk to him, Grover said. It makes sense. He bent down and said something in Bessie's ear. Bessie shivered and made a contented, lowing sound. "'The blessings of the wild,' Grover said. "'That should help with safe passage. "'Percy, pray to your dad, too. "'See if he will grant us safe passage through the seas.' "'I didn't understand how they could possibly swim back to Long Island from California. "'Then again, monsters didn't travel the same way as humans.' 
I'd seen plenty of evidence of that. I tried to concentrate on the waves, the smell of the ocean, the sound of the tide. Dad, I said, help us. Get the Ophia Taurus and go over safely to camp. Protect them at sea. A prayer like that is going to need a sacrifice, Talia said. Something big. I thought for a second. Then I took off my coat. Percy, Grover said, are you sure? That lion skin, that's really helpful. Achilles used it. As soon as he said that, I realized something. I glanced at Zoe, who was watching me carefully. I realized I did know who Zoe's hero had been. The one who had ruined her life, gotten her kicked out of her family, and never even mentioned how she'd helped him. Hercules. A hero I'd admired all my life. Uh, if I'm going to survive, I said... It won't be because I got a lion skin cloak. I'm not Hercules. I threw the coat into the bay. It turned back into a golden lion skin, flashing in the light. Then, as it began to sink beneath the waves, it seemed to dissolve into sunlight in the water. The sea breeze picked up. Grover took a deep breath. Oh, well, no time to lose. He jumped in the water and immediately began to sink. Bessie glided next to him and let Grover take hold of his neck. Be careful, I told them. Yes, we will, Grover said. Hey, um, Bessie, we're going to Long Island. It's uh, east over that way. <laughs> Bessie said. Yes, Grover answered. Long Island, it's this island and it's... Long. Uh, okay, let's just start. <laughs> Bessie lurched forward. He started to submerge, and Grover said, I can't breathe underwater. I just thought that I'd went... <laughs> Under they went. And I hoped my father's protection would extend to little things like breathing. Well, that is one problem addressed, Zoe said. But how can we get to my sister's garden? Talia's right, I said. We need a car, but there's nobody here to help us. Unless we uh, borrowed one. I didn't like that option. I mean, sure, this was life or death, but still it was stealing, and it was bound to get us noticed. Wait, Talia said. She started rifling through her backpack. There is someone in San Francisco who can help us. I've got the address here somewhere. Who? I asked. Talia pulled out a crumpled piece of notebook paper and held it up. Professor Chase. Annabeth's dad. After hearing Annabeth gripe about her dad for two years, I was expecting him to have devil horns and fangs. I was not expecting him to be wearing an old-fashioned aviator's cap and goggles. He looked so weird, with his eyes bugging out through the glasses, we all took a step back on the front porch. 
Uh, hello, he said in a friendly voice. Are you delivering my airplanes? Talia, Zoe, and I looked at each other warily. And no, sir, I said. And drat, he said. I need three more sup with camels. Right, I said, though I had no idea what he was talking about. We're friends of Annabeth. Annabeth? He straightened up as if we'd given him an electric shock. Is she all right? Has something happened? None of us answered, but our faces must have told them that something was very wrong. He took off his cap and goggles. He had sandy-colored hair like Annabeth and intense brown eyes. He was handsome, I guess, for an older guy, but it looked like he hadn't shaved in a couple of days, and his shirt was buttoned wrong, so one side of his collar stuck up higher than the other side. Hey, you'd, you'd better come in, he said. It didn't look like a house they'd just moved into. There were Lego robots on the stairs and two cats sleeping on the sofa in the living room. The coffee table was stacked with magazines and little kids' winter coats were spread on the floor. The whole house smelled like fresh-baked chocolate chip cookies. There was jazz music coming from the kitchen. It seemed like a messy, happy kind of home. The kind of place that had been lived in forever. Dad! Dad! A little boy screamed. He's taking apart my robots! Uh, Bobby! Mr. Chase. Excuse me. Uh, Bobby! Dr. Chase called absently. Don't take apart your brother's robots. I'm Bobby! The little boy protested. He's Matthew! Matthew! Dr. Chase called. Don't take apart your brother's robots. Okay, Dad! Dr. Chase turned to us. We'll go upstairs into my study. This way. Honey? A woman called. Annabeth's stepmom appeared in the living room, wiping her hands on a dish towel. She was a pretty Asian woman with red highlighted hair tied in a bun. Who are our guests? She asked. Oh, Dr. Chase said. This is... He stared at us blankly. Frederick, she chided. You forgot to ask them their names? We introduced ourselves a little uneasily, but Mrs. Chase seemed really nice. She asked if we were hungry. We admitted we were, and she told us she'd bring us some cookies and sandwiches and sodas. Dear, Dr. Chase said, they came about Annabeth. I have expected Mrs. Chase to turn into a raving lunatic at the mention of her stepdaughter, but she just pursed her lips and looked concerned. All right. Go on up to the study, and I'll bring you some food. She smiled at me. Nice meeting you, Percy. I've heard a lot about you. Upstairs, we walked into Dr. Chase's study, and I said, Whoa! The room was wall-to-wall -wall books, but what really caught my attention were the war toys. There was a huge table with miniature tanks and soldiers fighting along a blue-painted river with hills and fake trees and stuff. Old-fashioned biplanes hung on strings from the ceiling, tilted at crazy angles like they were in the middle of a dogfight. Dr. Chase smiled. Yes, the Third Battle of Ypres. I'm writing a paper, you see, on the use of sop with camels to strafe enemy lines. I believe they played a much greater role than they've been given credit for. He plucked a biplane from its string and swept it across the battlefield, making airplane engine noises as he knocked down little German soldiers. 
Uh, oh, right, I said. I knew Annabeth's dad was a former military professor. I knew Annabeth's dad was a professor of military history. She'd never mentioned he played with toy soldiers. Zoe came over and studied the battlefield. The German lines were farther from the river. Dr. Chase stared at her. How did you know that? I was there, she said matter-of-factly. Artemis wanted to show us how horrible war was, the way mortal men fight each other. And how foolish, too. The battle was a complete waste. Dr. Chase opened his mouth in shock. You... She's a hunter, sir, Talia said. But that's not why we're here. We need... You saw the sup with camels, Dr. Chase said. How many were there? What formations did they fly? Sir, Talia broke in again. Annabeth is in danger. That got his attention. He set the biplane down. Of course, of course, he said. Tell me everything. It wasn't easy, but we tried. Meanwhile, the afternoon light was fading outside. We were running out of time. When we'd finished, Dr. Chase collapsed in his leather recliner. He laced his hands. My poor, brave Annabeth, we must hurry. Sir, we need transportation to Mount Talampais, Zoe said, and we need it immediately. I'll drive you. It would be faster to fly in my camel, but it only seats two. Whoa, 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 you got an actual biplane? I said. Down at Chrissy Field, Dr. Chase said proudly. That's the reason I had to move here. My sponsor is a private collector with some of the finest World War One relics in the world. He let me restore the sup with camel. Sir, Talia said, just a car would be great, and it might be better if we went without you. It's too dangerous. Dr. Chase frowned uncomfortably. Now you... Wait a minute, young lady. Annabeth is my daughter. Dangerous or not, I, I can't just... Snacks, Mrs. Chase announced. She pushed through the door with a tray full of peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and Cokes and cookies fresh out of the oven, and chocolate chips still gooey. Talia and I inhaled a few cookies while Zoe said, I can drive, sir. I'm not as young as I look. I promise not to destroy your car. Mrs. Chase knit her eyebrows. What is all this about? Annabeth is in danger, Dr. Chase said. On Mount Tam, I would drive them, but apparently it's no place for mortals. It sounded like it was really hard for him to get that last part out. I waited for Mrs. Chase to say no. I mean, what mortal parent would allow three underage teenagers to borrow their car? To my surprise, Mrs. Chase nodded. Then they'd better get going. Right! Dr. Chase jumped up and started patting his pockets. My keys! His wife sighed. <sighs> Frederick, honestly, you'd lose your head if it weren't wrapped inside your aviator hat. The keys are hanging on the peg by the front door. Right! Dr. Chase said. Zoe grabbed a sandwich. Thank you both. We should go. Now. She hustled out the door, and we went downstairs, the chases right behind us. Percy? Mrs. Chase called as I was leaving. Tell Annabeth, 
Tell her she still has a home here, will you? Remind her of that? I took one last look at the messy living room. Annabeth's half-brothers spilling Legos and arguing, the smell of cookies filling the air. Not a bad place, I thought. I'll tell her, I promised. We ran out to the yellow VW convertible parked in the driveway. The sun was going down. I figured we had less than an hour to save Annabeth. Can't this thing go any faster? Talia demanded. Zoe glared at her. I cannot control traffic. You both sound like my mother, I said. Shut up. Oh, excuse me. You both sound like my mother. Shut up, they said in unison. Zoe weaved in and out of traffic on the Golden Gate Bridge. The sun was sinking on the horizon when we finally got into Marin County and exited the highway. The roads were insanely narrow, winding through forests and up the hills and around the edges of steep ravines. Zoe didn't slow down at all. I, uh, why does everything smell like cough drops? I asked. Eucalyptus. Zoe pointed to the huge trees all around us. The stuff that koala bears eat? And monsters, she said. They love chewing the leaves, especially dragons. Dragons chew eucalyptus leaves. Believe me, Zoe said. If you had dragon breath, you would chew eucalyptus too. I didn't question her, but I did keep my eyes peeled more closely as we drove. Ahead of us loomed Mount Talampes. I guess, in terms of mountains, it was a small one, but it looked plenty huge as we were driving toward it. So that's the Mountain of Despair? I asked. Yes, Zoe said tightly. Why do they call it that? She was silent for almost a mile before answering. After the war between the Titans and the gods, many of the Titans were punished and imprisoned. Kronos was sliced to pieces and thrown into Tartarus. Kronos's right-hand man, the general of his forces, was imprisoned up there, on the summit, just beyond the Garden of the Hesperides. The general, I said. Clouds seemed to be swirling around its peak as though the mountain was drawing them in, spinning them like a top. What's going on up there? Is that a storm? Zoe didn't answer. I got the feeling she knew exactly what the clouds meant, and she didn't like it. We have to concentrate, Talia said. The mist is really strong up here. The magical kind or the natural kind? I asked. Both. The grey clouds swirled around even thicker over the mountain, and we kept driving straight toward them. We were out of the forest now into wide-open spaces of cliffs and grass and rocks and fog. I happened to glance down at the ocean as we passed a scenic curve, and I saw something that made me jump out of my seat. Look! I said, but we had turned a corner, and the ocean disappeared behind the hills. What? Talia asked. A big white ship, I said. Docked near the beach. It looked like a cruise ship. Her eyes widened. 
Luke's ship. I wanted to say I wasn't sure. It might be a coincidence. But I knew better. The Princess Andromeda, Luke's demon cruise ship, was docked at that beach. That's why he'd sent his ship all the way down the Panama Canal. It was the only way to sail it from the East Coast to California. We will have company then, Zoe said grimly. Kronos' army. I was about to answer when suddenly the hairs on the back of my neck stood up. Talia shouted, Stop the car! Now! Zoe must have sensed something was wrong because she slammed on the brake without question. The yellow VW spun twice before coming to a stop at the edge of the cliff. Get out! Get out now! Talia opened the door and pushed me hard. We both rolled onto the pavement. The next second... Lightning flashed, and Dr. Chase's Volkswagen erupted like a canary-yellow grenade. I probably would have been killed by shrapnel except for Talia's shield, which appeared over me. I heard a sound like a metal ram, and when I opened my eyes, we were surrounded by wreckage. Part of the VW's fender had impaled itself in the street. The smoking hood was spinning in circles. Pieces of yellow metal were strewn around the road. I swallowed the taste of smoke to put it out of my mouth, and looked at Talia. You saved my life. One shall perish by a parent's hand, she muttered. Curse him. Are you would destroy me? Me? It took me a second to realize she was talking about her dad. Oh, hey, that could have been Zeus's lightning bolt. No way. Oh, excuse me. It took me a second to realize she was talking about her dad. Oh, hey, that, that couldn't have been Zeus's lightning bolt. No way. Who's then? Talia demanded. I don't know. Zoe said Cronus' name. Maybe he... Talia shook her head, looking angry and stunned. No, that wasn't it. Wait, 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 I said. Where's Zoe? Zoe! We both got up and ran around the blasted VW. Nothing inside. Nothing either direction down the road. I looked down the cliff. No sign of her. Zoe! I shouted. Then she was standing right next to me, pulling me by the arm. Silence, fool. Do you want to wake Ladon? You mean we're here? Very close, she said. Follow me. Sheets of fog were drifting right across the road. Zoe stepped into one of them, and the fog passed. She was no longer standing there. Talia and I looked at each other. Concentrate on Zoe, Talia advised. We are following her. Go straight into the fog, and keep that in mind. Wait, wait, Talia, about what happened back on the pier. I mean, with the manticore and the sacrifice. I don't want to talk about it. You wouldn't actually have, you know... She hesitated. I was just shocked. That's all. Zeus didn't send that lightning bolt at the car. That was Kronos. He's, he's trying to manipulate you. Trying to make you angry at your dad. She took a deep breath. Percy, I know that you're trying to make me feel better. Thank you. But come on. We need to go. She stepped into the fog, into the mist, and I followed. 
When the fog cleared, we were still on the side of the mountain, but the road was dirt. The grass was thicker. The sunset made a blood-red slash across the sea. The summit of the mountain seemed closer now, swirling with storm clouds and raw power. There was only one path to the top, directly in front of us, and it led through a lush meadow of shadows and flowers, the Garden of Twilight, just like I had seen in my dream. If it hadn't been for the enormous dragon, the garden would have been the most beautiful place I had ever seen. The grass shimmered with silvery evening light, and the flowers were such brilliant colors they almost glowed in the dark. Stepping stones of polished black marble led around either side of a five-story tall apple tree, every bough glittering with golden apples. And I don't mean yellow apples like the grocery store. I mean real golden apples. I can't describe why they were so appealing, but as soon as I smelled their fragrance, I knew one bite would be the most delicious thing I'd ever tasted. The apples of immortality, Talia said. Era's wedding gift from Zeus. I wanted to step right up and pluck one, except the dragon coiled around the tree. Now, I don't know what you've got in your head when I say dragon. Whatever it is, it's not scary enough. The serpent's body was as thick as a booster rocket, glinting with coppery scales. He had more heads than I could count, as if a hundred deadly pythons had been fused together. He appeared to be asleep. The heads lay curled in a big spaghetti-like mound on the grass, all the eyes closed. Then the dra then the shadows in front of us began to move. There was a beautiful, eerie singing like voices from the bottom of a well. I reached for Riptide, but Zoe stopped my hand. should have tested out that song with that particular filter before doing it live that was awful <laughs> that was terrible i don't know if it sounded equally bad for y'all but that sounded abysmal here okay that one's coming straight out of the recording <laughs> all right maybe it sounds fine i'll have to listen to it later but good grief it was bad Awful. Awful. Sisters. Oh, oh, oh! Four beautiful figures shimmered into existence. Four young women who looked very much like Zoe. They all wore white Greek chitons. Their skin was like caramel. Oh, shoot, I said that wrong. I looked it up a while ago. They all wore white Greek chitons. Their skin was like caramel. Silky black hair tumbled loose around their shoulders. It was strange, but I'd never realized how beautiful Zoe was until I saw her siblings, 
the Hesperides. They looked just like Zoe. Gorgeous and probably very dangerous. Sisters, Zoe said. We do not see any sister, one of the girls said coldly. We see two half-bloods and a hunter, all of whom shall die soon. You've got it wrong, I stepped forward. Nobody's going to die. The girls studied me. They had eyes like volcanic rock, glassy and completely black. Perseus Jackson, one of them said. Yes, mused another. I do not see why he is a threat. Who said I was a threat? The first Hesperid glanced behind her, toward the top of the mountain. They fear thee. They are unhappy that this one has not yet killed thee. She pointed at Talia. It's tempting sometimes, Talia admitted, but no thanks. He's my friend. There are no friends here, daughter of Zeus, the girl said. Only enemies. Go back. Not without Annabeth. That was... nope. Not without Annabeth. And Artemis, Zoe said. We must approach the mountain. You know he will kill thee, the girl said. You are no match for him. Artemis must be freed, Zoe insisted. Let us pass. The girl shook her head. You have no rights here any more. We will only have to raise our voices, and Ladon will wake. He will not hurt me, Zoe said. No? And what about thy so-called friends? Then Zoe did the last thing I expected. She shouted, Ladon, wake! The dragon stirred, glittering like a mountain of pennies. The Hesperides yelped and scattered. The lead girl said to Zoe, Are you mad? You never had any courage, sister, Zoe said. That is thy problem. The dragon laid on was writhing now, a hundred heads whipping around, tongues flickering and tasting the air. Zoe took a step forward, her arms raised. Zoe, don't, Talia said. You're not a Hesperid anymore. He'll kill you. Ledon is trained to protect the tree, Zoe said. Skirt around the edges of the garden. Go up the mountain. As long as I am a bigger threat, he should ignore thee. Should, I said. Not exactly reassuring. It is the only way, she said. Even the three of us together cannot fight him. Ladon opened his mouths. The sound of a hundred heads hissing at once sent a shiver down my back. And that was before his breath hit me. Its smell was like acid. It made my eyes burn, my skin crawl, and my hair stand on end. 
I remember the time a rat had died inside our apartment wall in New York in the middle of the summer. This stench was like that except a hundred times stronger and mixed with the smell of chewed eucalyptus. I promised myself right then that I would never ask a school nurse for another cough drop. I wanted to draw my sword, but then I remembered my dream of Zoe and Hercules, and how Hercules had failed in head-on assault. I decided to trust Zoe's judgment. Talia went left, I went right. Zoe went straight toward the monster. It's me, my little dragon, Zoe said. Zoe has come back. Laydown shifted forward, then back. Some of the mouths closed, some kept hissing. Dragon confusion. Meanwhile, the Hesperides shimmered and turned into shadows. The voice of the eldest whispered, I used to feed thee by hand, Zoe continued, speaking in a soothing voice as she stepped toward the golden tree. Do you still like lamb's meat? Just a second. The dragon's eyes glinted. Talia and I were about halfway around the garden. Ahead I could see a single rocky trail leading up to the black peak of the mountain. The storm swirled above us spinning on the summit like it was the axis for the whole world. We'd almost made it out of the shadow when something went wrong. I felt the dragon's mood shift. Maybe Zoe got too close. Maybe the dragon realized he was hungry. Whatever the reason, he lunged at Zoe. Two thousand years of training kept her alive. She dodged one of the slashing fangs and tumbled under another, weaving through the dragon's head as she ran in our direction gagging from the monster's horrible breath. I drew Riptide to help. No! Zoe panted. Run! The dragon snapped at her side and Zoe cried out. Talia uncovered Aegis and the dragon hissed. In his moment of indecision, Zoe sprinted past us up the mountain and we followed. The dragon didn't try to pursue. He hissed and stomped on the ground, but I guess he was well trained to guard that tree. He wasn't going to be lured off, even by the tasty prospect of eating some heroes. We ran up the mountain as the Hesperides resumed their song in the shadows behind us. The music didn't sound so beautiful to me now. Now it sounded more like a funeral. At the top of the mountains were ruins. Blocks of black granite and marble as big as houses. Broken columns. Statues of bronze that looked as though they'd been half-melted. It's the ruins of Othris, Talia whispered in awe. Yes, Zoe said. It was not here before. This is bad. What's Mount Othris? I asked, feeling like a fool, as usual. The mountain fortress of the Titans, Zoe said. In the First War, Olympus and Othris were the two rival capitals of the world. Othris was. She winced and held her side. You're hurt, I said. Let me see. No, it is nothing. I was saying in the First War, Othris was blasted to pieces. But how is it here? Zoe looked around cautiously as we picked our way through the rubble, 
past blocks of marble and broken archways. It moves in the same way that Olympus moves. It always exists on the edges of civilization. But the fact that it is here, on this mountain, is not good. Why? This is Atlas's mountain, Zoe said, where he holds... She froze. Her ragged voice was filled with despair. Where he used to hold up the sky. We had reached the summit. A few yards ahead of us, gray clouds swirled in a heavy vortex, making a funnel cloud that almost touched the mountaintop, but rested instead on the shoulders of a twelve-year-old girl, with auburn hair and a tattered silvery dress. Artemis. Her legs bound the rock with celestial bronze chains. This is what I had seen in my dream. It hadn't been a cavern roof that Artemis was forced to hold. It was the roof of the world. My lady! Zoe rushed forward, but Artemis said, Stop! Stop! It is a trap! You must leave now! Her voice was strained. She was drenched in sweat. I had never seen a goddess in pain before, but the weight of the sky was clearly too much for Artemis. Zoe was crying. She ran forward despite Artemis's protests and tugged at the chains. A booming voice behind us spoke. Ah, how touching. We turned. The general was standing there in his brown silk suit. At his side were Luke and a half-dozen Dracane that were bearing the golden sarcophagus of Kronos. Annabeth stood at Luke's side. She had her hands cuffed behind her back. A gag was in her mouth, and Luke was holding the point of a sword at her throat. I met her eyes, trying to ask her a thousand questions. There was just one message she was sending me, though. Run. Luke! Talia snarled. Let her go! Luke's smile was weak and pale. He looked even worse than he had three days ago in D.C. That's the general's decision, Talia. It's good to see you again. Talia spat at him. The general chuckled. So much for old friends. And you, Zoe. It's been a long time. How is my little traitor? I will enjoy killing you. Do not respond, Artemis groaned. Do not challenge him. Wait a second, I said. You're Atlas? The general glanced at me. So, even the stupidest of heroes can finally figure something out. Yes, I am Atlas. The general of the Titans and terror of the gods. Congratulations. I will kill you presently, as soon as I deal with this wretched girl. You're not gonna hurt Zoe, I said. I won't let you. The general sneered. You have no right to interfere, little hero. This is a family matter. I frowned. A family matter? 
Yes, Zoe said bleakly. Atlas is my father. And there's our big reveal. Surprise! <laughs> Who saw it coming? Which one of you? Which one of you saw this coming? Did you realize it was Atlas? I got to admit, I had some real strong Atlas vibes with the like holding up the world sort of thing, but it was all underground. It was all underground and they never made mention of Atlas once. So it got to me the first time I read this. It got to me pretty darn good. Bitterbard says, I'm not going to lie. I called this one pretty much from the start of the book. All right. All right, Bitterbard. Come on. Come on. Leave some room for us. <laughs> Bitterbard says, you know what? That's fair. I think Bitterbard very, very, uh, very humbly says, I didn't call a lot of things, but I called that. There is something fairly unique about the whole, like, holding up the world thing, right? That is something that does not come very often, even in Greek myth. This is a fairly unique bit of story. I will say one thing that I did not know going into this prior to uh, my first reading was that uh, Artemis... Nope, let's try that one more time. That Atlas was one of the Titans. I did not know that. I had always thought that uh, Atlas was one of the gods, but indeed not. Um, and now some of these pieces are starting to come together. As a matter of fact, a lot of them. Let's talk about some of the foreshadowing that we had before, and let's talk about some of these characters, especially Zoe, now that we know who Zoe actually is, right? We All of the pieces are back in place. All of them, essentially. We know what her connection is to Percy. We know that uh, back a long, long time ago, long time ago, 3,000 years ago ago, um, Zoe had tried to help Hercules, and that she had helped him substantially, and then he made no mention of it and left her in the lurch. We know that now uh, this is what Percy saw in his dream, and that the the sort of the thing they were trying to attack, uh, this, this laid-on creature, very dangerous, and we also know that... Hercules was supposed to go to her father. And now we know who that father is. We know much more about the prophecy. There seems to be some more on the table. One will be will be uh, uh, will fall, but at the hand of their father... I don't remember precisely what the line is, but at the hand of the father, there's a new father up in the mix. There's a new dad up in this piece. And it's not looking like great news. We can probably agree on that much, right? This is not a good thing that he has popped up here. Although, I guess the one possible good outcome here is that... Well, no, I won't even say that. I was going to say, certainly not that it's a better outcome that the Half-Bloods live than that Zoe lives, but simply that it would mean that the, the prophecy might not occur, but really it doesn't even change that. So, yeah, it's not good news. It's just generally not good news. Gwendog says, I'm stopping listening. I'll come back for beans. Don't want to get any spoilers for the stream before I go back and listen. I see. Uh, roll it. That doesn't sound quite right. What are you What are you picking up there? Um, because Hercules was the one that, like, uh, that she was trying to say, hey, you need to go talk to my father about this. 
isn't Zoe Pleonese's daughter? Um, I believe so. There may be a connection that I'm not aware of, but I would I would be surprised. I've been surprised before. Yeah, Pliny, I believe, is is mother. Atlas, his daughter, or his uh, father. Zoe's parents are Pliny or, or Pliony uh, and Atlas, mother and father. But certainly, uh, a lot of these pieces suddenly on the table. We we suddenly now know what the whole heck is going on. Oh, Pliony, gotcha. Pliony and At so not Zoe, but uh, yeah, Pliony and Atlas. I don't know. I frankly, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you. Um, I will say you. I believe you are spelling that right, Rollet. Um, but I will say uh, things do get pretty wild in Greek myth, uh, especially when it comes to titans and gods and sort of their interactions with one another. Very, very weird. Um, but we know this connection now. We know one of the things that may have been driving Zoe all along. Right? One of the things that might have been driving Zoe to sort of participate in here and why Zoe was so apprehensive to come here to this place. Why Why Zoe... At the, when we first talked about San Francisco, why Zoe was not excited about this, the mountain of despair. And now we know kind of what that despair is. I believe it is... It is the... I mean, it's, it's a prison, right? And and this, this despair is the despair, I think, of, of Atlas? That bit I'm not sure about, so I should probably not be just rattling on about things that I'm not sure about, should I? Uh, but, frankly, uh, the... The, the whole deal is a big mess. We, we know one thing for certain. Um, Zoe is not happy to be here, and it really changes our like our perception of the of the prophecy. This prophecy is the biggest deal of the whole book, and now there's there are like new players on the board almost. We've got the the two these two children of the gods. Talia and Percy, um, we now know that, you know, that there's this prophecy that's been going around for a while, especially considering uh, Talia's birthday is coming up. This, this prophecy has been really, like, coming to a culmination for a while, that one of these two is going to do something, or may do something, that will bring about the end of the rule of the gods. And we didn't know how that was going to work until now. The Ophiotaurus, I believe it is, Ophiotaurus, the sea cow, the, the cow serpent. Now it's in play, and now it's very, very clear what will happen. Percy, it, it's got to be one of the, the children of the gods. There must be someone who is going to do something about that cow and bring about the end. Kronos... We think we've been thinking of Kronos. I think uh, at least this is my this was my first take of Kronos. And I've, I've mentioned this idea before, but this one really reinforces it. We had watched Kronos sort of like you know lurking underground and whispering to people in dreams, but you know it's it was tough to see him as a real mastermind. Now, however, you can really see it. 
he is doing his absolute darndest to get all these pieces put in place, and he is doing a fine job of it. Between Luke and the Manticore and um, uh, um, uh, the general here, Atlas, uh, now Zoe is involved, and of course all of this kind of used to corral, it seems, Talia and Percy into the right place with the right creature involved truly a villain and not just a bad guy but a villain and that I think is going to be one of our biggest reveals in any of the books we shall see I want to know what from y'all uh, sort of what your biggest reveals have been so, so far what were the biggest moments of like oh okay Orly Rose says, I thought Pliony was the daughter of Oceanus. We could be wrong. Um, but, uh, I mean, Rolet's been, been looking it up, it seems like. All very convoluted. Orly Rose says, I love the constellation. Constellation. <whistles> Pleiades and the constellation is the seven sisters, daughters of Pliony. Indeed. <laughs> Dahlia says, choo-choo, let's get the hype train steaming on the tracks. Dahlia says, bits amounts over 100, and all subs and gift subs count toward starting the hype train. It does indeed. This is correct. Um, uh, let's see. Orly Rose says, Luke being a bad, bad guy and this are my two. Yeah, the, the Luke being a bad guy. I think we had some folks sort of mention it as it was coming up, but frankly, this yeah, that one was totally out of, uh, out of the realm of expectation for me as well. That one I did not see coming at all. 